Thanks for tuning in to the Sandals Church podcast. Our vision as a church is to be real with ourselves, God, and others. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this message. Hi, guys. Welcome to Essentials, man. I'm just so glad to be back here with you guys just this weekend. And I want to talk to you about one of the most important essentials to your Christian faith. It's about sharing your faith. So many Christians, matter of fact, statistics, and I don't know if they're true or not because I don't take them, but here's what all the research says. 99% of Christians, 99% of Christians never share their faith. The exact opposite of a Jesus who left the 99 for the one. And we have 99 that will go nowhere for not even one person. And last week, uh, Melody did an amazing job challenging you to serve. But there was a portion in her message where I got a little triggered, I gotta be honest. Does anybody remember like failure? Anybody ever have like a real failure? Well, she talked about the fact that she wasn't a track star, she's not a runner, but I was, okay? And I know it's hard to believe this because I'm 52 years old, kind of like Taylor Swift, but not 22, 52. (laughs) Just the same, but a little more wrinkly, amen? (laughs) But I was a track athlete for, for most of my youth. Matter of fact, I ran all the way into college And I had the privilege of of going to one of the powerhouse track schools in the state of California. It was called Hiram Johnson High School. Matter of fact, if someone's from the Sacramento area and they hear me say I went to Hiram Johnson, they just kind of look at me because they think I'm the wrong color. That's that's why they're like, "Uh, you do know you're white. And I'm like, yeah, I do know I'm white, but I was fast. I was fast. And I made it onto our four by one track team. And so I got to run with some of the fastest students in our state. Some of these students went on to run in the Olympics. That's how fast they were. But Melody talked about last week in her message about this thing and how important it is. And I want you to know that in CIF finals, our team was predicted to be number one. We were faster than everybody. We were stronger than everybody. We had beat everybody in our heat multiple times. We had matching sweatsuits, man. We looked like LL Cool J, and we were there to play. You know what I'm saying? All the young people are like, who? He's an actor now, but he was super cool in the 80s. But I ran the third leg. I ran the turn. I don't know why, but God made me to run the turn. Not everybody can run the turn. It's crowded. It's impacted. You got the fastest person giving it to you, and you got to hand it off to the second fastest person. Some people don't know that. The longest leg of the four by one is the second. And then the next longest is the last. That's why in the Olympics, sometimes Usain Bolt will run number two because you want those legs going as far as they can. But the third leg is where everything gets messed up. And unfortunately in CIF finals, this was handed to me and I dropped it. The sound you just made? is why I've been in counseling for 20 years. <laughs> I, I still remember this sound. I still remember the audience who had all gathered to see Hiram Johnson, to watch the white kid who stood out. I was the only white kid on the track. And we failed that day. The Apostle Paul says, run the race in such a way to win. Listen to me, you can't win if you drop the baton. It doesn't matter how fast you are. 
It doesn't matter how much you try. It doesn't matter how much you pray. If you don't hand the baton from one to another, you lose. 99% of you are dropping that baton. And I know you're fired up. Oh, America, America. Let me tell you what's wrong with America. We're losing Christians. And you're not gonna change America through votes. You're not gonna change America through a politician. You're gonna change America by handing the baton from one Christian to the next and sharing the gospel. That's how, we, that's how we do this. And I just wanna challenge you today. Are you ever going to share your faith? Are you ever gonna do it? So let's just pray and let's ask God to challenge us because I know there are pastors that don't share their faith. I know that there are lifelong Christians that never share their faith. And sharing your faith, listen to me, is an essential of the Christian faith. Because like Melody said last week, we are only one generation from extinction as Christians. Jesus is the savior of the world, but listen to me, he made the church the hope of the world. And if we don't do our job, there will be no church in the next generation. So let's pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to convict us and to empower us today, not just to worship Jesus, but to share Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would convict us, that you would move in our lives. And God, I know today I'm, I'm gonna ask Christians to do the one thing they would rather never do, and that's tell somebody about Jesus. God, I pray that you would empower them to be obedient today and to share their faith with somebody this week. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. I wanna to take a quick second to invite you to support the work that God is doing in and through Sandals Church. You can do so by donating at donate.sc. For now, let's get back into the message with Pastor Matt. If you ever come to Israel with me, I always choose to pick, uh, or I always choose to preach a sermon at a particular place. I like to divide it up. I like to give all the pastors an opportunity to share, but I always like to share my, my faith, my story at the temple of Dan. You may know it as the gates of hell. Jesus preached one of his most famous sermons at the gates of hell. In Luke chapter nine, verses 18 through 20, Jesus left the crowds to pray alone and only his disciples were with him. So here's the thing about Dan, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Think like a desert oasis. There are springs that come up from the bottom of the mountain and they pour into the valley and, and the temple of Dan becomes, listen to this, the Jordan River. And it just flows and it's beautiful. Some of the most pristine farmland in the world. And so Jesus takes them there. There's cool water. There's a cool breeze. There's beautiful surroundings but he takes his disciples into the heart of paganism. You see, the reason the pagans believed that the temple of Dan was the gates of hell because the, the spring was so deep, it could not be measured. And so they thought it went to the center of the earth. And so Jesus took them to the gates of hell and he said, who do people say that I am? Why would Jesus take the disciples into crazy town? Let me tell you this, the crazier the world is, the more you need to know who Jesus is. He takes them right into crazy town, to the gates of hell, to the temple of Dan, where the priests there had sex with goats. Yeah, 
I know that's not in your Bible notes, but that's where Jesus took them. That, that's how crazy that place was. Jews, traditional Jews would go nowhere near it. Who do you say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. And then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. This story occurs in Matthew 6, Matthew 16, 13 through 16, and Mark 8, 27 and 29. It's in three of the four Gospels because it's an essential story to your faith. You see, this is why you need to know this passage. To share about Jesus, number one, I must know who Jesus is. Not, not, I don't not argue about who he is, but I must know. Then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, listen to this, the Christ of God. Some of you are new to Christianity and you don't know Jesus' last name isn't Christ. <laughs> That's not his last name. His true name is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He's the son of God. Christ is a title like president or governor. It's a statement of who he is. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Tammy and I recently started watching the TV show, The Chosen, and I like a lot of it, and I don't like some of it. But thank God their choice for Jesus, he kind of overcomes the flaws of the show. And I love it when he calls the disciple Thomas. And Thomas says, I've spent my entire life counting and measuring. And Jesus says, I will teach you a different way to count and measure your life. And when he said that, I got chills and I got goosebumps on my arms because that's the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know taught Matt Brown how to count and measure his life in a different way. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Some of you've studied him. Some of you've learned all kinds of things about him, but do you know him? The other day I, I was in Cognito, had a hat on and, and some glasses and some people were talking about me. Yeah, I thought I'd stick around. Maybe I could learn some things about myself. It's amazing the opinions that people have about me the things that people do for me. And oftentimes, listen to me, the gifts that people give and the things that people say reveal the knowledge of me that's true or it reveals they've seen me a couple times on screen. Do you really know Jesus or do you just know things about Jesus? You see, the Jesus I know, I know he's challenged me to count and measure my life differently. In a world that's all about making your life count and, and, and we don't call it measuring your life, we call it fame, we call it influencing, we call it likes, we call it shares. Jesus teaches you how to have a different life. You see, if you are worshiping the wrong Jesus, you're going to be living the wrong life. Who do you say that I am? You see, Jesus asked this question because he knows the world is crazy. And it is only your knowledge of him that will stabilize you in the midst of this nuttiness. And I keep thinking, 
that we've like, like we've maxed out on crazy. Anybody else? Like, I, I feel like we're good. Anybody nervous for 2024? I'm a little nervous. Because the 20s just keep rolling in nuttiness. Like, it just keeps rolling. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And the crazier the world is, the clearer you need to be about Jesus. So in order to share Jesus, I gotta know him. Number two, I gotta know why he came to earth. Why, why, why did he come? In the Gospel of John, there's this crazy guy, a crazy guy for a crazy time, wearing camel hair, eating insects and bugs, and you lost me at that, dude. And you think that's crazy. They're trying to make us all eat bugs, by the way. They're trying to get rid of beef. You're all gonna be like John the Baptist, eating your burger, not knowing that that was a cricket. But in John 1, the next day, this crazy camel hair wearing freak saw Jesus coming toward him. Listen to what he said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you wanna know what's wrong with our world? It's not politics. It's not wokeness. It's not fascism. It's not racism. It's sin. It's sin. And our world loves to talk all around it but never identify what's wrong. The world and everything in it is broken because of sin. And if you wanna see this firsthand, go have a baby. It comes out beautiful and perfect and you think there's nothing that you could ever do to make me not love you. <laughs> and then three in the morning with diarrhea on your hands and vomit on your shoulder, you're like, yep, we've arrived. We've arrived as the kid is yelling at you. Right? right? Yelling at you. And then you love that kid, you pray for that kid, and then that kid says the most loving things a parent ever hears, you have ruined my life. <laughs> oh, I, I was under the assumption I was trying to give you a life. I didn't realize it was the killer of all joy. <laughs> and what you see firsthand is even though you love your child more than anything, how broken the world is, and you see sin in them. And then you see it in yourself. You see it in yourself. What's worse, parents, is sometimes you see your sin in your kids. Oh, that's fun. You ever seen your child sin and the Lord's like, that'll preach. You're like, okay, Lord, oh, careful, careful. <laughs> the Apostle Paul writes a letter to the most powerful city the world had ever known. No one had ever conquered the world the way the Romans did. They thought they were better than everybody else. They believed everyone else was beneath them. I found this out when we were in Greece. The Greeks don't call themselves Greek because it's a Roman slur. You know what it means? Not Roman. <laughs> You're good, you had Plato, but you ain't Roman. So back off, buddy. And the Apostle Paul writes this inspired letter to the arrogant believers in Rome. And he says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. You see, the Romans, when they marched into army, they carried a standard that intimidated, that it caused their enemies to, to run in fear when the Roman standard was raised. And Paul says, that's the wrong standard. 
that there's a higher standard, there's a better standard, there's a more glorious standard, and none of us meet it. None of us meet it. Why did Jesus come to earth? Because even the great Rome, even the great America has fallen short of God's glorious standard. God's glorious standard. And we all know this. We all know this. In our Declaration of Independence, we wrote, for all men are created equal. And then we violated that sacred statement by enslaving some men. You see, even when we get the slogan right, we fall short. We fall short. You can get it right on paper and miss the fact that you've got it wrong in your heart. For we all fall short of his glorious standard, yet God. Why was John so excited to see Jesus, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight? How does he do this? He did it through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. You see, one day you're gonna stand before God and you're gonna face the penalty for everything you did. For everything you did. You're gonna be accountable for what you did and what you thought of. Oh man, can you imagine guys if your wife could hold you accountable for your thoughts? Like just set me on fire right now. <laughs> You know, the scariest thing ever is when my wife says, what are you thinking? <laughs> you don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> and we're all going to stand before God who knows us, who knows what we did, who knows what we didn't do, who knows what we should have done. Wow. And let me just say this for everybody who has a problem with this, man, I don't meet my own standards. Anybody ever feel like you should be a better husband? You should be a better mom? You should be a better son, a better daughter? That's your standard, and you fall short of yours. Now let's talk about God's. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. You see, here, here's what every religion misses. How are you ever gonna be good enough for God? You see, if you're a Muslim, you just gotta try. You just gotta try. You gotta work hard. If you're a Hindu, you, you just gotta hope. Maybe if you're a Buddhist, you pray really, really regularly. You detach yourself, hoping you can experience nirvana in some way. But for us as Christians, we don't have to be perfect because we know who was. We know who was. People are made right with God, not because of what you've done, because of what you think, because of what you believe. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for what? You. For you. And what, why are we so afraid to tell the world about this? Why? Jesus set us free by shedding his blood. I want you to listen to me. Jesus, in his best moment, died to save you from your worst moments. If you're honest with yourself at all, let that sink in. In his best moment on the cross, he died for you in your worst moment. Your private life, the life that no one sees. Tammy and I were out to dinner and can I just say this? If you know me, can you just acknowledge that? 
so you're not just watching me in secret. <laughs> and I was looking at our waitress and I was like, man, I feel like, I, babe, I was like, babe, I feel like I know her. I feel like I know her. And I said, do I know you? And she goes, no. So the waitress said, no. She goes, but I do go to your church and we work out at the same gym. But she was right, I don't know her and she doesn't know me. She watches me, but she knows me. And I was like, you've been watching the whole time. Thank God I got a soda water, amen, God is good. God is good. But you know so many people today, they believe a false gospel. Here's the falsest a gospel can be. Well, I just believe in being a good person. Don't you think Jesus wishes we could have just been good people? Lord, they're trying. Wait, what if we just help them be better? Here's what the prophet Jeremiah said about trying to be a good person. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in humans who rely on human strength. What happens when you try to be a good person? Listen, listen to what Jeremiah says. They turn their hearts away from the Lord. When you say I'm good enough, you're saying Jesus wasn't. You're saying Jesus wasn't. You see, this is the false gospel everywhere. Everybody just believes, well, if I'm just a good person, you'll what? Earn eternal life? What makes you so special that God's like, yeah, you get eternity. You get eternity. Most of you are blessed to have the years you have, much less forever. You see, we all fall short. We all need Jesus. So I gotta know who Jesus is. I gotta know why he came. Does anybody feel like the world's broken? Does anybody feel like it's getting worse? Man. I mean, I thought the 80s were wild. I wish my kids could live in the 80s. Because it was way better than now. Way better. Way less crazy. To share about Jesus, listen to this. I must be able to share what Jesus has done for me. Maybe the reason you don't share Jesus is you forgot what he did for you. This is all the testimony is. It's not a bunch of memorized scriptures. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You just need to be able to say what Jesus did for you. There's this guy in the Bible. He didn't even see Jesus when he got saved. He's blind. He's blind. He never met him. And he's getting literally interrogated, put down, gonna be kicked out of his community because they wanna know who was this that allowed you to see. And so they called him a second time in John chapter nine, verses 24 and 25. They called in the man who had been blind and told him, told him, God should get glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. This is what the blind man says. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but I know this. I was blind, but now I see. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. How has Jesus changed you? What did he save you from? To build a testimony, you have to answer this question. Why are you a Christian? And because my parents were, it's not an answer. It's not an answer. Why are you a Christian? How about this? Why do you go to church? You're just bored on Sundays? You're like, there's nothing going on. I hate the NFL. <laughs> Why do you go to church? 
You see, maybe the reason your friends don't come to Sandals is you haven't articulated why you need Sandals. What has Jesus done for you? What has he done for you? That's all it is. It's a testimony. All I know is I was blind and now I see. There's a woman at a well and she says this, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. She doesn't even know who he is. She thinks maybe he's the Christ, but she's not sure. And what happens? Her whole town gets saved. So why are you a Christian? What has Jesus done for you? Why do you go to church? This is how you build a testimony. This is how you build a story. Because here's the thing, listen to me, the world no longer believes in the Bible, but if they know you, they might believe you. And for hundreds of years, the church had no Bible. Paper was precious. Scrolls were limited. Many pastors and priests were illiterate. You know what we had? We had a testimony. I was blind, but now I see. I just want you to look at the world. Do they look like they see? The world is confused about very, very simple things. The world doesn't even know what gender is anymore. That's how lost the world is. And that's not to put anybody down that's struggling with gender dysphoria. Jesus loves you. This church loves you, but you deserve the truth. Because Jesus said the truth is what sets us free. Not indulging people in lies. That buries people. To share Jesus, number four, listen to this. I must lovingly share what I believe Jesus can do for others. Can I just say this? If you're trying to win arguments on Facebook, on social media, around the coffee pot, then you are not winning souls. Look, when my wife and I in our marriage and we love each other, when we're trying to win an argument, we both lose. We both lose. I want you to remember what's at stake. You're trying to win a soul. You're trying to win a soul. I know many of your friends, they go to good churches and there are great churches out there. Fantastic churches. Got better facilities than we have. They've been a church longer than we have. The more established than Sandals is. I want you to understand what Sandals Church is all about. I went and met with a dean of spiritual life last week at a local uh, Christian college. And he said, tell me about your church. Tell me about your church. What kind of students should I send to Sandals? And I want you to listen to what I said. I said, you got a lot of Christians on your campus? He said, yeah, we do. I said, I don't want any of them. I know he did the same thing that you just did. I said, Sandals is not built for Christian kids. We're a mission-oriented church. I want you to give me the kids that have screwed up. And here's the thing. They think there might be a God who can help them. I said, you send me that kid. You send me that kid. And let me tell you, this is, this is why your friends, well, I just don't get sandals. We're not trying to reach them. 
Jesus did not come to save the church. He came to save the lost. And the church has forgotten that. Some of you are judging the lost rather than trying to reach the lost. When I started Sandals Church, this verse haunted me, haunted me. Would not let me go. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching in church. And there's a couple, they've attended Sandals for a long time. And they're concerned about me. Worried I've gone mini woke. Look, I'm barely awake, amen? Okay, I'm barely awake. <laughs> and they're just sitting there frowning at me while I'm preaching. And right in front of them is a gay couple. And they've come to church. Why? I don't know. We can't be any more clear about what we believe about sexuality. I've been abundantly clear. I've been clear for 27 years. I've lost friends and family members because I'm so clear. But I want you to understand, I'm trying to preach a sermon that ministers and feeds to an old grumpy cult, a couple and to a gay couple that's come to church. And here's what I want you to understand. When I'm preaching, I believe that people should be able to meet Jesus before they reject him. I just want that to sink in. Don't you think the world should have the opportunity to meet the savior of the world before they reject him? But sometimes because of the way we preach and the way we've gathered and how political we are, people say no to us and they never get to meet him. I see all these, these young athletes, man. Deion Sanders' sons, he wears a jersey. It says him on it. Let me tell you something. Sanders, you ain't him. Jesus is him. Jesus is that guy. Jesus is that guy. And what we gotta do as a church is we gotta do whatever we can to get people to meet him. Him, he's that guy. And sometimes what that means is we're a little uncomfortable. I always think about the church that met at the home where somebody cut a hole in the roof. Would that make any of you uncomfortable if in small group, somebody just, you know, hey, we wanna be a part of this. We're gonna drop a GoPro down from your ceiling so we can broadcast this. I'm guessing 99% of you would be sure that was the devil, amen? The devil, he's doing it again. You see, the church grows when Christians are willing to be uncomfortable. Can I just tell you, if you're a Christian and your soul is saved, I'm not trying to reach you. I'm trying to equip you. I'm trying to reach the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. It was lost. Last week I was in the lobby at Sandals Center Park and a woman came up to me and I, I didn't understand the conversation. I got all the details wrong except she knew a 20-year-old young woman who's dying of cancer. Let me, let me just tell you, I told my wife this. We've been through a lot of stuff. Our kids are not easy. We've never had to deal with that. And she said, would you be willing to go and pray with her? Sure. 
Sure. I drove about an hour away because I committed before I knew how far it was. <laughs> we got there, knocked on the door. One of our pastors was already there because he was on time. I was late. And here's this mom who's got a daughter that's 20 years old, dying of cancer. And this woman lets two grown men in her house that she does not know. You see, that's what desperate people do. She let two grown men come in and we sat down and we prayed with a 20 year old girl who has an aggressive form of spinal cancer. You wanna know what her name was? Grace. She doesn't go to church, hasn't been in church. I said, did you know your name is in almost every letter the Apostle Paul writes in the Christian Bible? She didn't know what her name meant. And I said, here's the thing. I said, I don't know what God will do. I said, but I know what Jesus can do. I said, would you let me pray over you? And she said, sure. And right there in her downstairs bedroom, everything about her life has changed. She used to live in the upstairs, now she lives in the downstairs because she can't walk, she's paralyzed. I prayed for her. But you know what I prayed? I didn't just pray for healing. I prayed for revealing. I said, Lord, I want grace to know who you are. I want, you to, I want her to know who you are because I know what you can do. And I know my prayer and my touch and my power can do nothing, but I know your prayer, your power, and your touch can do everything. Amen? And then she told me, she said, I don't go to church. I said, you can. She said, I, I, I'm paralyzed. I said, we have church for free online. I said, is that a smart TV? Right? She said, yep. I said, you can watch right there. It's all for free. It's all for free. Listen, I know many of your friends, I don't know why they gotta watch it on the screen. I don't care how people hear. I don't care how people watch. I want people to be saved. That's what I want. And let me tell you something, part of the reason we do what we do is so that we can reach people who are never gonna walk into a church. And by the way, did I mention she can't walk? She can't walk. She can't get here. But God sent someone here and sent me to her because he cares about her. He loves her and he sent his son to die on the cross for her. Listen, Sandals, I, I know I'm not as political as many of you want me to be. I'm not trying to win arguments. I'm trying to win people. I'm trying to win people. 1 Corinthians 9.22, this is another just huge verse for us at Sandals Church. The Apostle Paul says this to the church at Corinth, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. He said, I have become all things to all people that by some possible means I might save some. Listen to me, Sandals, we can't save everybody, but we can save somebody. We can save somebody. And instead of getting discouraged about how the world's gone crazy, let's start looking for that person that God's calling you to share the gospel with. In order to share Jesus, and this is the thing that most seminary students miss. I ask seminary students this all the time. If you don't know what seminary is, it's cemetery for Christians. <laughs> it's where you go to kill your faith. But here's what I tell them. What's the most important thing to be an effective pastor? And they all answer the same thing, love God. Oh, that's good. 
What does the great commandment say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and listen to Jesus, and the second is equally important. You must love your neighbor. If I'm gonna share about Jesus, listen to me, I, I gotta love people. I gotta love people. Many churches, great churches, you know what they love? They love God and their tradition. I will break every tradition we have to reach your neighbor for Christ. I, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care about your traditions. Life is too short. We have one life to win the lost and we have all eternity to celebrate those salvations for Christ. We got one chance. And here's what the world thinks. The world thinks that the church is here to judge them. No, no, no. What did Jesus say? What does the gospel say? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Not that he hated the world. Yeah, this world. This world. He loves it. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But that's not it. That's only John 3, 16. Some of you have never heard 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Man, this last week, um, we celebrated my mom's 77th birthday. And uh, she's in here. I'm not gonna look at her right now. She's in here. <laughs> my mom does this and she doesn't, I don't know that she knows she does this. But she says this to me. She says, I love you. And she says it's so cute. And she says it's so sweet. And I'm so thankful that I was blessed to be raised in a home where I knew I was loved. Most of your neighbors were not raised in that home. Most of those people at your job, at your work that drive you crazy, they never had a parent that said, I love you. The world is broken. It cannot be repaired. But it can be healed by Jesus. And I just want to say to anybody that's visiting our church today as a guest, we're, we're, we don't get things right. Maybe... Maybe we didn't greet you when you came in. I'm sorry. Man, I don't know, maybe somebody flipped you off when you were trying to park. I, I mean, sandals, who knows? I just hope it wasn't a pastor, amen? That's just, that's what I hope. Maybe you didn't know where to sit. sit. I, and I know it's dark. We're trying to figure that out. That's why we're asking for more money so we can turn the lights on brighter. But I shared this with the young adults when I spoke to them a couple weeks ago. I'm so sorry that Christians do not behave like Jesus loves you. But I want you to hear it right now. And as I prepared this message, I, I just believe that there's somebody that needs to hear this. God loves you. You may not have had a mom or a dad on earth that said that, but you have a father in heaven who's saying that right now. And he didn't just talk about love. He actually did something about love. And I wanna say this to you, no matter who you are or what you've done, you have a father in heaven who loves you. And sandals, we need to live like that's true. So in order to share about Jesus, listen to this, I must listen to people. You wanna know why our churches aren't growing? 
and I don't mean the Sandals churches because all of our campuses are, I mean the church. You want to know we're not growing? We're not listening to the people. There's all these churches that say, oh, you should teach the Bible verse from verse. Show me where Jesus does that. Show me the sermon when Jesus says, turn to Leviticus chapter two. No, he saw hungry people. He fed them. He saw confused people. He gave them clarity. He preached to the people's needs. The Pharisees and Sadducees had their noses in the Bible and they never saw the people. James, the half-brother of Jesus, and I always love quoting him, because you, can you imagine what it would have been like to live with Jesus? You know, you talk about some pressure, you know. What are you gonna be, James, when you grow up? Not like him, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best, but, you know. You know, can you imagine the one time you think you got him as James, because Jesus wandered off, where is he in the temple, teaching? Like, Mom, so I guess he's not getting a whipping. No, no, James, no. He's, he was doing his father's work. Okay. Listen to what he says. My dear brothers and sisters. See, he knows what it's like to be a brother. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. My worst moments as your pastor have been when I've gotten angry. My worst moments. We're not here to win arguments. We're here to listen to people. We're here to listen. No, number seven, I must share Jesus. I must do it despite my fears. Anybody afraid? Oh, but they'll reject you? That's a problem. That's a problem. The Apostle Paul shared the same concern that you have. So listen to what he said. He said, pray also for me that whenever I speak, my words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We all need prayer. We all need to be convicted to share our faith. But I know it's scary. I know it's scary. I know it's frightening to put yourself out there. You're afraid you're gonna say it wrong. You're gonna say, you're gonna get it wrong. Here's the thing, you and I, we don't save anybody. Jesus saves. We're only responsible to share. So we're gonna end today with two calls for action. The first call in just a second is I'm wondering if somebody came into church, wouldn't it be interesting if somebody got saved on a weekend at Sandals Church where we're supposed to be, <laughs> we're supposed to be sharing the gospel? Like this message was primarily for believers. Wouldn't that be amazing if the Holy Spirit was working in somebody's life this weekend and God was speaking to them and they came to church for the first time and they heard they're separated from God because of their sin, but there's a way, there's a way to make that right. And there's a way because God loves them and he sent his only son to die for them on the cross and all they have to do to be saved and be made right with God is confess their faith in Christ. It's pretty simple. So the first call, is there anybody at any of our campuses or even online that wants to be saved? You know you're far from God and you know you need to be saved. So I'm just gonna ask you to stand right now wherever you are, at whatever campus you are. If, you're, if you feel like you're apart from God and you're not right with God, let me tell you something, Jesus can fix that right here, right now. All you have to do is stand. All you have to do is stand. 
Is there anybody that needs to get right with Jesus today? You know what I'm gonna guess? I'm gonna guess that at some of your campuses, somebody stood. And so let's just give those people a hand that stood. Praise God for them, amen. And here's the thing, if you're watching online, would you just type in, I'm standing, because we can't see you. So just type in, I'm standing, and somebody will reach out to you. Here's the second challenge. I'm gonna challenge every person that's a Christian in here to stand if they need to confess to God right now that they've not been sharing their faith as they should. If that's you and you're a Christian and you've not been sharing your faith the way you should, would you please stand right now in this audience at your campus? If you're sharing your faith, feel free to sit. But if you're not, and I want you to know what's at stake. The salvation of the world is at stake. Tammy and I, we go to a gym. Uh, I don't think there are Christians there. If, if they are, they're grossly underdressed. Um, <laughs> but I tell my wife all the time, the reason I wanna to go to that gym is because I know there's people that are lost there. And just this week, somebody came up to me that I had the pleasure of leading to Christ. His name is Matt. Um, a lot of mats need Jesus. So um, you know what he said to me this week at the gym? He said, hey, I don't mean to bother you. He said, but would you baptize me? He said that in the gym. I said, of course, of course. And this is what he said. I'm so thankful for the role you've played in helping me get saved. I want you to hear that. I want you to help baptize somebody that you helped get saved, amen? So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that we'd all be convicted. Gosh, even our staff, we're professional Christians. We work at a church and we don't share the gospel. God, help us to share. God, give us that person this week, that person of peace that you're already working in, that you're already moving in, Lord, that needs you. Lord, help us to share the gospel with that person. And for Lord, if there's anybody who stood to receive Christ, let them automatically start as a share of the gospel. Let them tell somebody of what Jesus did for them today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.